Hello, it is Thursday, April 13th, 2017 at one o'clock Eastern time, and this is Marketing Live. I am your host, Amy Jorgensen. On today's live broadcast, we're talking about marketing, budget setting, and measurement. Marketing Live is part of a higher ed live network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using hashtag higher ed live. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at HireLive.com or take Hire Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Hire Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications firm that works with education institutions on branding, digital content, design, and more. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Bill Campbell. He is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Chatham University. Welcome, Bill. Hi, Amy. Um, so again, anybody who has any questions, uh, do not hesitate to ask using hashtag HireLive, and I'll do my best to give them to Bill as they come in. Let's start off with a few questions of my own. So where do you start when you are building a budget? So I mean, I think obviously the best place to start, I, I, I have the joke, right, the budget, you know, the budget quiz. Which ways do you set your budget, right? Number one, the DART method. The two, it just feels right, or three, let's do what we did last year and let's just add one or 3% to it, right? And then we're done, okay? And I think the answer is that it's kind of all of the above. I think we've all done that at some point, but there's definitely different methodologies and ways to go about it. And I think the most important thing to start with is really understanding goals, goals of, the, of your department, but also goals of the institution. So for a school like Chatham, uh, 2,200 students, significant graduate school population, enrollment drives our goals, um, much more than awareness, much more than fundraising right now. And that's where we start. We really set with what are our priorities, what do we want to do, and then what we really try to do in that is we try to just not make it be, well, that's because dean or president or someone said that's the goal. We try to really look at the market opportunity to make sure that the goal aligns with what's really there. So how do you understand the market opportunity? So for us, one of the tools that we've used that's been so helpful and so successful is really doing program demand analysis with a lot of IPEDS data. So I always say, if you don't know your institutional research department on campus, get to know them, make friends with them. Today's world in marketing, it's, it's so important to be able to work with them. And, and, and as marketers, higher ed provides us with an incredible amount of data. I mean, it's so amazing in terms of what we're able to do in terms of understanding our students, our audience, but also the competitive and program set that's out there. So we will actually identify, so for example, across 20 graduate programs that we have, we'll identify their five-year trends of degrees conferred, applications, et cetera. We'll look at their competitive set, and we'll actually be able to use iPads data to understand um, how many degrees are being conferred at these other schools against that nationally and against that in our state and against specific um, competitive sets that we may have. So for us, as an example, one of the things we've done is we would look at, say, a program like our counseling psychology program. Um, we've seen it grow very significantly. We see it tighten up a little bit, but the question is, what is it? Is it adjusting? Is it not? IPEDS data shows us that that became the third largest program in the state of Pennsylvania with only two other programs in the larger market of Philadelphia. So we're able to really look at that and be like, wow, this really helps set our marketing goals. So 
for instance, do we want to do media planning and go into Philadelphia to try and grow some from that market? If so, that's a more expensive market that requires more money. So we're able to utilize the data to really understand which programs have capacity to grow, which are, are not performing against their benchmark set, and then be able to develop strategies that drive either requesting more dollars or in some cases reallocating or dropping dollars down because you see, hey, we don't need it. It's doing exactly what it should be doing. Wonderful. Thank you. So what are some, you talked about a little bit about it before, the, the DART method and all the different ones. So what are some of the budget creation methods? Right. So there's a couple different ways and there's really no model that fits for everybody. And what I've found works best is actually a combination of various things to really see um, what might work. So one of the first ones, and, and again, you know, I joke about the DART method or the it just feels right method, um, but another one that's a little more data driven uh, and can help as you make a business case with the finance office, with the president, whoever you may need to be making, your, your, your manager um, making these decisions is, you know, there's a percentage of operating budget as one model. So um, this is based on overall operating revenue. And so you can look at, you know, anywhere from two to 4% of a nonprofit's operating revenue. So if you have an operating budget of $100 million, less than $100 million, you should be looking in the two to 4% range. So that's one model that just gives you a benchmark figure to work with. The other one is competitive benchmark spending. So if you are an institution that is really looking at media spend, um, I, you know, as a smaller shop, we, um, we do not have media planning in-house, so we have a media planning agency that we use to help vet and validate that we're spending our money wisely, and as part of that, we get media um, spending reports through Kantar. So we're able to look in our market, the markets that we advertise in, to understand um, how are um, the different universities are advertising, how much they're spending, where we fit in that, so we're able to say, this is where we stand, this is what we can afford to do. And this is a very helpful tool when uh, somebody may come to you and say, we don't have enough awareness, or this school is doing so much more than us, or they have billboards, why don't we do billboards? And this type of media analysis can really help you identify um, you know, where you sit in there, what your media mix looks like, and then when you can layer into that you know, what's available with digital marketing and spend um, you know, pay-per-click analysis and high competitive sets in Google, it's really a powerful tool for those who want to look at that. Um, a third model that we look at doing is um, the cost per inquiry. So as, as things continue to go online and digital and you actually look at that, you can do a lot more to really understand how much you're spending by ad type. Is it a Facebook light, a pay-per-click ad? what that's doing in terms of clicks, what that's doing in terms of cost per click, and if they're converting into an acquire inquiry and down the line. Um, so, you know, we're able to identify for some programs that we can get a cost per lead of $121 in this type of channel or $200 in this channel. And then the real trick to that, though, is once you get it, you know, it's one thing, but it's how does that look back into a budget? So what we'll look at doing is that early benchmarking we did of goals and, and what the markets, we, programs we want to support. We'll, we'll also do an analysis of yield trends that'll look at apps to admits to inquiries what our goals are, and then we'll say, okay, to get to that, we need 500 inquiries, quality inquiries that will cost X in a digital environment, and that leads us to what we do to set our budget. So that's a third message, uh, methods that we had. And then the last one, which is like the holy grail of everything, <laughs> is answering the question, how much does it cost to get 
a student? And this is the most challenging one for marketers today because it's a question. What do we include in that? Well, do we include admissions and recruiting costs? And so this is one where we actually will work to identify what we spend in direct marketing costs. I usually don't include salaries at this point, but sometime in the future it'd be great to do that. But we'll really look at the total number of apps, the total number of applications, deposits. We'll compare that to the spend that we're putting in and we'll get to what is a cost per app. And then I'll break that down by your budget. If my budgets are set by undergraduate versus grad, so we have them set by the different programs. So we're able to then look at what we're spending, what we're getting, and become to get to a cost per student. So if we know we're going to have 100 students as the goal, a cost per student model allows us to then set a budget. So with those four models, like I found, not one fits everywhere. But what's interesting is when I do all four and I kind of pull them back together, they actually get to um, they actually get to, to amounts that all are fairly close to each other, and so it's very interesting how this begins to take shape. And then you can identify which methodology and which data sets help make your business case the most, and move that forward from there. Wonderful. When you're doing the cost per student, mm -hmm. do you um, do you look at it overall? Are you looking at it by specific programs? Are you looking at it by how? Do you do any type of segmentation? Right now, just with the way our budgets are, we do it by student type, so undergrad versus grad. Um, we are, as our data models get more sophisticated, we could move it down into a much more segmented model. Um, and I think ultimately that's where we really want to go. But the other challenge with that is, you know, is, is you just have to ultimately ask yourself, there's so much data coming at us today, it's like a fire hose turned on marketers. You just have to ask yourself, you know, is this going to be intelligent data that I can use to make intelligent decisions? And if it's going to be a nightmare to get there, sometimes it's like, let's just get the best guess and kind of go from there. Wonderful. Thank you. So one of the big challenges that we have in, in every university are budget cuts. You know, it's like we want you to do more with, with less. So what do you find are some ways to deter budget cuts? So, you know, again, I think one of the ideas that, that we've shown is A, to build your budget on data to make a business case for it. And so what I've found is when it, if, if, a, if an institution says we want to grow enrollment, but we want to do it while cutting expense, which is, a, you know, we have to always be cognizant of that. But if you can prove that a program is performing at it's, it's competitive sets median with iPads data, or if you can show that the competitive set is significantly outperforming you, and those schools that are doing that in our case are large public schools or are you know, for-profit schools, you can begin to make a case to say, if you want these kind of numbers, you're going to have to spend three, four, five, six times the amount you're spending today. Are you willing to do that? If not, then you need to reassess what your goals are here. So giving the data about the market potential and what it takes to get there is super helpful in saying, well, let's cut, let's cut this and not cut this demand generation stuff if that's ultimately what the goal may be. So the data really, really helps with that. The other thing that I've been doing to prove that it's very helpful is it all, it's all about ROI. So the other thing that I've been looking at trying to do more of is identifying, okay, if we get 10 students times a tuition revenue of this, that's this much revenue over time, the cost to get there 
is incremental, right? It's like if you if you need 20 students and they can generate 2.4 million dollars in tuition revenue to spend 150 to 200,000 dollars to get there, that's a nice business case that you can make. And I think the problem is is that marketers don't always do that, right? We just say, "Oh, my budgets were cut and we're going to get there." Well, let's try to really track back the revenue implications that marketing can bring by acquiring that new student or retaining an existing student. That's really nice. So then you can illustrate, you know, here's how much time it takes, here's all the different resources we need, and, and directly correlate that to the, the results. I love that. Absolutely. Wonderful. So um, have you been able, so one of the things that I think is challenging is like along with the resources, we have staff as well. So are you able to, by illustrating the ROI and, and how much time and resources you need, are you able to gain more staff or, or you know, better allocate things because you have that ROI? Yeah, I definitely, I've been able to increase my headcount from two to seven over the last few years, and they've been strategic hires in, in strategic areas that we say, if we're going to invest in this, we need the support to get there. But definitely being able to show what you spend, what you get for that spend, shows you're a good steward of money. So when you bring a recommendation of, of staff to the table, you know, you've built that trust and credibility that you're not just spending money and being like, woohoo, look at this new campaign, and look what we did for web traffic, right? You know, you can actually make it more tangible and measurable to a bottom line result. And that ultimately helps you when you need to make the case for a new hire, or you need to make the case for something that may not have a direct dollar investment, but you've proven that. The other thing that we do here that has been incredibly helpful for us, and, and again, I always encourage everybody, if they don't have these systems, to put them in, even if it's as simple as a spreadsheet to get started, is start tracking the number of projects that you're getting requests for to do, the type of projects, the number of tasks that your staff are doing. So we utilize Basecamp to manage all of our projects. And you know what I'm able to do is I'm able to provide a quantifiable report at the end of the year that says, I had 400 different project requests from these types of departments. They increased by 20% over the previous year in, say, enrollment or in, say, advancement and fundraising. And the type of requests I'm getting are this for writing or this for design or this for video. And so I track it all. And by tracking it all, I'm able to make a very strong data-driven case for why a resource is needed, why hiring is needed, versus just sitting there going, you know, People want more video. We need to do more video. <laughs> True, but you know we need to really state exactly why, how many requests we're getting, what we're doing, and where the growth in the university is going. So, for for instance, it was um, it was new for Chatham to have a copywriter um, on staff, and so everyone's like, "Well, we just write the copy ourselves." And I'm like, "Well, that's not really <laughs> how it works." And you have to take this into consideration, and we have to write for search, and we have to write for this. And now, you know, we've had a copywriter for a number of years now, and now it's like people are like, "Hey, this is the best thing I've ever seen. How did we go without it?" So it's interesting. Well, yeah, it's like you don't want to just produce a whole bunch of videos because it's a cool idea. You want to be able to directly correlate it back to how it's increasing enrollment or how it's improving a brand perception or, or you know, what are the direct results of that? And same thing with copywriting. It's like, you know, okay, you guys want all this stuff, and by having this new person in here that can do that, they can have all those results. That's really smart. Yeah, and we've also been able to reallocate you know, when when sometimes when I budget, like I may I may get the budget increase because you know it's driven to a, a goal and we have a, a, a the data to support why it's needed. But I've also been able to use that and say, hey, listen, I'm going to hold my budget, but I'm going to reallocate it in these areas. Or even um, like 
I don't know, this may come back to haunt me, but I'm actually even cutting my own budget this year because I'm reallocating in different ways. And the data is showing me that some of the things that we were spending money on are not effective. And so I'm putting it in channels that I can do at a lower cost and actually in the process of lowering my budget some, the business office was like, whoa, really? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's funny. So wait, is that smart to do? Because I know <laughs> at every university I've been, ever been at, it's like, you know, it's a government. If you don't spend this money, you're not going to get it next year when you need it. Yeah, I don't know. Ask me next year. Like, <laughs> I think so. I mean, I, you know, I, again, before being here, I was in an agency. And so I, I you know, I, I also truly believe that um, as marketers, one of the biggest challenges facing us in terms of enrollment of students is the is is cost of college, and it's how we talk about cost, the value you get for your degree. But also, I think we as marketers also have a really big role to say, can we find ways to to help perhaps start lowering costs and thinking about things in new ways? And so. You know, I, like I said, ask me in a year, we'll see. <laughs> Wonderful. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen when you see other people making a budget? Mm -hmm. um, the, the biggest mistakes I think I mean are, are, are not having clear goals like up front. We're, you know, our budget is built on supporting these 10 things. To not even have 10 things, right, is, is, a, is a huge missed opportunity. To have 30 that might be, you know, even too much. I think you, you know, a budget is a living document. That's a that's an expression of strategy and goal. And you need to make sure that when you present it, when you write the narrative, that you have those clear goals that ground everything. Because what happens then later is on the budget line items, you know, it, you can directly relate those back. And if you don't do that, and you just say, well, we did this last year, and we're gonna we're gonna do more of this this year, and so on, you're you're not really you're miss, you're missing a huge opportunity. Um, to be strategic, to support the strategic plan, to support the goals of the university and let your budget drive that. I think that's one of the biggest um, mistakes I have. The other is not knowing where and how your money is getting spent. Um, I think the challenge in for marketers today is there's so much data that it can be overwhelming um, and you just have to kind of really make sure you stay on top of that, make sure that you know where your money's going, how it's being spent and what the ROI on it, on it is because in a budget tight budget cycle, if they say cut budgets and you don't and you have to like dig all up why it's worth it, you know, then that's a bit of a problem. No, that makes sense. So when you're going through and building budgeting, I mean, obviously it's easy to go in and say, all right, here's how much it's going to cost for a print job. Do you mm -hmm. also allocate staff time of like, here's how much time this person is going to have to spend the overhead to be able to produce this product? And, and on top of that, not just the person's time, but also like for, for production, but also for how many meetings they have to go through and like, hey, if you guys don't give us a very clear direction at the beginning, we have to do a lot of, you know, you want to change it from blue to orange to red to green and, and every single one of those revisions, here's how much it costs. So how much do you build into there the, the overhead and production costs to, in order to illustrate your, your point and make sure that you are effective? Yeah, um, you know, we, we just given our size and flexibility, we are not really focused on that right now. My in building my department, building new ways to go about it, my philosophy has been that I'm going to put the right systems in place to deliver a good product and to try and um, and and not be a pain to work with, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because the more that I get 
you know, coming from the agency world, the more that I build an internal agency model focused on customer service for our clients, the more people are going to want, want to come to us, the more valuable that the university and its departments will see us. And so for me right now, I'm not too focused on is this going to be too many revisions or other things, and we're more focused on really just making sure that we have the right resources to get it done. Um, as we scale and grow as an institution, that ultimately would change. And I think for larger institutions, that's a much bigger consideration who, do, who, who will do billbacks to departments and other things. Currently, as a small institution, we don't do that. But it, 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 you know, it moves into a model of you, know, you want to start considering things like timesheets and tracking what you're doing. Um, systems like that I talked about earlier where you begin to track your jobs, if you put one of those in place, a lot of them have them, and you can scale up to that over time. Are you paying for the system that you're using, or is there a free version? There's free versions. We do. We did upgrade for the paid version, so we could get a little more functionality, some more storage, et cetera. Um, but there's lots of them out there that um, you can get for free or low cost. Um, but again, it's, it's highly, highly worth it, in my opinion. Wonderful. So you talked about this a little bit before in regards to the measurement and how there's so much information that's available that it can be overwhelming of what information do I provide in order to illustrate success. So what are some positive measures of success and, and what numbers have you seen have the biggest impact in demonstrating effectiveness of your, of your efforts? Yeah. Well, I, again, I think, um, you know, I said make friends with institutional research. I'm absolutely there. And also, you know, especially for an institution that's very enrollment driven, if that's one of your key, your, your key performance indicators, is is really have a great collaborative relationship with enrollment management. Um, some 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 schools are combining marketing enrollment management together. Um, we work very closely with the enrollment management office, looking at their enrollment reports. And what I do is I try to track back as best as possible the top of funnel activity, web. Um, uh, web activity to inquiry activity to application activity and really showing that we're capturing those lead sources and tying it back to the effort. Um, one thing we have implemented this year, which is also another data point that I'm very excited about, is a mark is Marketo and marketing automation. So the ability to be able to show not just uh, in you know that we're driving impression and we're driving click and we're driving inquiry, but we're driving engagement. And so if Amy and Bill both are interested in a program and Amy's been to 30 pages and you know opened 15 emails and Bill has been to two pages, you know, you're a highly higher engaged uh, prospect, that data is shared and passed to enrollment management and we're able to really begin to articulate and see uh, do our efforts do more than just ROI, but are they creating engagement and what is the user telling us that they're looking for from us? So I'm very excited about that data that's coming out this year and what we're seeing with that. And so what's great is now we're able, because we put a premium on understanding the the back end in terms of did the effort convert into an enrollment and what did that what did that cost and what will that generate in revenue, we're now also going to be able to understand how engaged they were in the process where they were going, what they were looking for to make that effort even better in the future. Wonderful. So you talked a little bit about enrollment. What are you using for web performance in order to illustrate engagement? You talked about like how many page views and individual users on there, how many users. What are some of the key um, web performance uh, indicators? Yeah. So you know we, we run the gamut starting from the top of the funnel, easy page views through, um, through uh, you know, time on page, bounce rates, and then with marketing automation, we're really focused on what they're doing and where they're going and what they're engaging with. Prior to that, when we didn't have that, we would utilize Google Analytics 
to really understand things like we knew that after a main index page of a, of a program that the number one and two things that people were interested in was curriculum and tuition and fees and they switched back and forth as the number one and number two pages. Faculty, while important, were always like the third or fourth one, but inevitably, I think we've all been there, the faculty will be like, we want to put like our bios and profiles <laughs> on here and tell the students about us. But when you look at the behavior, you see that what they're really interested in is they want to know what they're going to learn, right? They want to go to the curriculum. And so with marketing automation and the engagement, we're able to much more understand that. We're able to put more in and we're now able to, um, to, to guide our decisions so we can create better, uh, a better web experience by prioritizing that and focusing on that, that information and knowing that they're only there for a minute and a half. Let's get them that stuff right away to keep them there. So that's the way we, we utilize that intelligence um, where we're trying to get really into the content and not so much into just the general traffic. Well, and how smart. So instead of it being my opinion as a marketer that you need to have this ahead because like logically it makes sense that these would be what they're focused on. Be like, you know what? I do think that the, the tertiary thing that, that you're focused on needs to be number one, that the faculty profiles is super important and we need to put that as first. But unfortunately, the students want to see this first. The yeah. users want to see this first and therefore it's not your opinion. It's it's all based on data. That's really smart. Yeah. And it was cool too because you know, it's it's one thing to say, oh, well, you know, maybe we're not going to put as much emphasis on faculty, or if we do, let's do something different. Let's not put your bio up with all your research. Let's like do a little video about who you are. But the the, the really cool thing was, I mean, they're interested in the curriculum, right? They want to know what they're going to learn. Tell yeah. me what. Tell me what's going on in your class. Tell me the cool story you're talking about. Let us create a content strategy we can share on social and in other areas to talk about that cool class. And so we've been doing things like sample courses and stuff like that, and it's really resonating. And it was really driven by that that insight we get from what the behavior on the web was 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 showing. So let's jump into that. What about if you want to try something new that you've never done before? How are you able to establish a budget for that? You know, it's like you want to do something that, you know, I, I don't know what. Let's say you want to do, do something off, you know, do uh, instead of giant billboards, where is it when they have behind the airplane, the, you know, giant plane banners, you know, yeah, you want okay. to try or a giant blimp is going up like the Goodyear blimp, but it talks about your, your school or your program. Yeah. If you want to try something new. Where do you start when it comes to building a budget for it and illustrating the ROI? Yeah. Well, my, my take on that is always like, you know, when you go into your budget cycle, because, you know, for us, our budget cycle is, is June to July. So we're on a bit of a different cycle from our recruiting cycle. So we, we can work on that. But I say pick one thing, put it in your budget, pilot it, make sure you establish your goals and what your metrics will be, report on it, and then be able to move it forward from there. So, you know, three, four years ago when we, when I was newly hired here, we weren't doing a lot of digital, um, digital marketing, digital lead generation. So I'm like, let's pilot it for two programs. Let's move forward. Let's see. Here's the budget. If we achieve this, you know, we can generate five times this in revenue. And if not, we didn't venture that much forth. I think that the, the, the challenge for schools is everyone will go, we need this really awesome impact, right? Or we need to make a big impact and have a big campaign. And the reality is to be good stewards of our money and to keep an eye on on costs and affordability is let's 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 experiment and let's try a few things. And the good news is is so much of that is digital these days and it's very measurable. And so I highly, highly recommend kind of working with a, a vendor who might do this to give you a budget to do it in a scaled back version with the idea that if this is successful, we can scale up in year two and year three. 
Wonderful, I like that. So can we talk a little bit about email engagement? Can you give me some ideas? Because that's one of the biggest things that we're spending money on because we're seeing such a high ROI. You know, Our students are telling us the number one way in which they're hearing about us and, and taking action is through email. So can you tell me a little bit about how you're, you're budgeting for that and, and what are some um, components of success that you're seeing with email engagement? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's so true, right? Like every uh, prospective student event, you need to send them an email. You need to send them a reminder. You know, you want if you want to move into nurture emails and send them information. All these things require resources. Lots of schools are implementing CRM or marketing automation, and then there's all this robust email activity in there. But it becomes a question of, oh my goodness, how am I going to get this done? And that's what we ran into over the last year. Is we had a, a web and digital manager who was doing the web and I was like, well, let's do some email on the side and you know, and it just began to scale to the point where I was like, we can't achieve this. So we actually just hired um, this past year our first dedicated email marketing manager um, and uh, who's overseen all of that for us and for the institution. And again, we did that by showing the number of requests, the type of emails we're getting, the fact that if you have 20 graduate programs, you need to, you want to send three emails times this, times that. We were able to quantify exactly what we're talking about here. And so we were able to, to hire them. And again, with our pilot in Marketo this year, we're able to really track not just email open and click through, but we're tracking that back to web behavior and we're implementing lead scoring and lead qualification. So um, we're able to know that you know an open and a click is being added to the lead score along with visits to financial aid pages and so we're qualifying leads and passing those qualified leads to marketing. Um, so that's been a big, big growth for us with the addition of CRM and with the addition of marketing automation. And in terms of budgeting, you know, we're we're also there's two other things on email that we're finding. Number one is internally it's getting out of control. So now that we've created some better structures and process for it external, people are looking to us to be like, how can we make it more effective internal? <laughs> Which is interesting. And then the other piece that we're looking at is is what is the role of of email in in higher ed? So I think in the retail space, transactional emails. 20% off coupons, President's Day sale. It's very, it's very transactional, and there's an action the user takes. Um, at higher ed, it's not so transactional. It's like, let me tell you about this program, learn more, apply now. But they really don't have to click or take action unless it's like RSVP for an event or do something else. So I actually joked we should start doing incentives, like you know, come to campus visit day. We're running a special free cereal in the dining hall, right? You know, because it's like. What are those things that we need to be looking at from a retail transactional standpoint to make email more measurable? And so that's an ongoing process for us, as I'm sure it's for everybody. Um, but it's growing. It's scaling for sure. So you talked for a second there on internal communications. Is there a way that you think you could measure internal communications and the effectiveness on that with, with budgeting and saying like, all right, this is how many requests we're getting for internal communications. This is therefore the foundation of we need someone to manage this for the whole university because for communicating more effectively internally, we're going to be able to get our message out and, and stuff. Are you, is that something that we could do? Um, you know, it's at, I, again, for us, we hired the email marketing manager, and the question is, with that person, do we have the capacity to do internal email, you know, management of this better too? Is that going to require another person? Um, so, like many schools are doing right now, one of the things that we're doing is an audit of all of our internal communications. So, for the last 
90 days, we've literally been saving and tracking every email that goes out to all campus. We have student uh, workers who are doing the same for students. And so that's the thing I think is most important is if to understand what, what this is, is to audit how many are going out, who's sending them, and what that would look like if you were going to start to centralize that more in marketing. Is it going to require a resource? Is it going to require a new system um, and be able to go from there? So we're not there yet. We're trying to kind of audit to see if that'll be the case, but that'll be the next big thing. And in you know internal communications is hard to quantify, right? It's easier to say, well, for a prospective student, we brought in this much revenue, but what's the value that you assign to in, uh, communicating more effectively internally? Yeah, because I mean, if they leave, then then what happens? So are most of the goals that, and I think you're you're right. Most of the goals that we have are are getting folks in the door and getting them to sign up for classes and and all of that. So are there marketing efforts that we should be focusing on and doing ROI in order to maintain that? Um, there was something in a movie where the guy was like, we spend this, uh, I think it was Dave, where they spend this much uh, money a year, millions of dollars a year, making people feel good about their uh, car purchase. So is that something we should be doing more in higher ed from a marketing standpoint or should we leave that more to the individual colleges yeah absolutely i think um you know i i think over the last you know five ten years you're seeing marketing taking a much more strategic role at the table in terms of you know cabinet facing departments the ability to really impact what the customer what the customer the prospective student um, is thinking who they are and how we deliver them to get them there. The next great frontier for that is how can marketing a, like make an impact in retention and the student experience. I think a lot of those are perhaps siloed in other departments and hopefully that's an area that marketing and what we bring to the table in terms of communication and our approach can, can start to help with because if we can retain and improve retention and graduation rates for students through better communication, that it would be an amazing um, that would be, that would be amazing, and in many ways, they say it's better to uh, it's it's easier to keep an existing customer than to to get a new one. So it's a really big big the next great frontier, hopefully. Yeah, because if you have a student that's happy and, and enjoying their undergraduate experience, they're going to be more likely to take an extra year or two years to get their master's degree, and and you've gotten that much more money then. So that's yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for your time today and giving us all this great information. And I'd like to also thank you, our program sponsor, M. Stoner. And um, I hope you all have a great day.